Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. It's Gary Stuckey back once again for another extremely exciting episode of Real Music right here on Anchor.fm. Always the best interviews around. I've got a good one for you today. I've got Chuck Wright, formerly of Quiet Riot, the bass player extraordinaire. He was on the first metal album ever to reach number one on the Billboard 200 charts. That album was Metal Health back in November of 83, and he'd already left the band, you know. And But he came back several times over the years. He was with another band called Jifra. He was with House of Lords. He's played with everybody that you can think of. We'll talk all about that and so much more. He's got a brand new album coming out in a few weeks. Uh, it's called Sheltering Sky on May the 20th. And uh, so cool. Great songs on there. I've been jamming to it. You're going to love it. So I want you to check it out. Check him out. But here we go. Here's Chuck Wright. Hello, this is Gary. Hey, Gary. This is Chuck Wright. I was told to call you at 2 o'clock. My time. Here I am. That is it. You you got it right on the dot. I appreciate it. All right. Yes. I was just uh, checking you out here on uh, Facebook. Okay, cool. I'm a big Facebooker. I mean, I, I know it's be- Facebook has become old school, but for me, it's a lot more user-friendly. Yeah. Well, you, <laughs> you know, I've heard I've heard the younger generation say Facebook is for old people, so I guess we're, well, we're that, old. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like it's an easier program and, and more versatile. And yeah. I mean, it's I keep in communication with a lot of people via this because I run an event. Um, I don't know if you know or not. I run an event uh, that was weekly, but it's at the legendary whiskey, a go, go every Ooh. Tuesday. Now it's every other Tuesday, but I keep in, keep in touch with people via um, Facebook messenger and all that. Cause I can load files easier and I can do different things I need to do. Right. No. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Same here. I mean, I, you can talk to all kinds of people just casually messaging and, you know, rather yeah. than going through an email or something, you could just boom. Well, yeah. it's been great. It's a great thing. Um, I think it's good and bad. I mean, social media is good and bad, but um, yeah. the good part for me is, is I've found people I haven't talked, like the first guitar player in my first band, for instance, and I oh, wow. were, were communicate now and have been for a while. And then I saw him last time I was up in Portland, things like that. Otherwise I wouldn't have never known about him, you know? Yeah, you can find all kinds of people from years ago and see what they're it, doing now. Yeah, that's so cool. It's been great. That's been great. Okay, well, uh, so tell me about this new album. I've been listening to it, and it's it's, it's jamming, man. I've been rocking out to the, uh, it's uh, Sheltering Sky. Now, that's coming out on May the 20th, right? Yeah, it's it. Uh, the actual full album will be available on all platforms um, on May 20th. Um, I just released... My second single, uh, called Throwing Stones, um, and there's a video um, that's really been well-received, and it has a timely message, um, and it was sadly serendipity here because it's an anti-war song, lyrically, but was written um, before the Russian invasion was actually lyrically written at the end of last year. And then when we made the video, of course, we, we kind of were cognizant of, of the uh, what was going on. So there's elements of that in the video itself. Uh, Joe Retta, um, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's in Dio's Disciples and okay. uh, Transcend Orchestra. 
just his vocals outstanding and he wrote the lyric and the uh, vocal melodies over the music wow but that's one everybody should check out it's called throwing stones and and basically the message is is how how long will it take until we grow we started off throwing stones as cavemen and we're still throwing things at each other missiles now you know right it seems like we don't learn you know no after all these years right yeah after centuries <laughs> right i mean it, it doesn't it doesn't solve anything. It never has solved anything. Not really. Mm-mm. Um, so how does a song like that come about? You said this was before all this going on now. So how did well, that song get? Well, musically, the way it came about, there's three songs on the album. Um, one of them actually is a cover of Bjork's Army of Me, which I also did a video for that has 3D animated uh, animation. Ruth Ginsburg's marked as the army marching on Washington. And that was, right. that just came during the whole craziness of uh, the end of, 2020 and that you know that whole is when i started putting that together but um the music on three tracks i was looking for some music files and i stumbled on some old recordings that i'd done with my late friend pat torpy from mr big and my my very good friend lanny cordola who was in my band house of lords and who i've done numerous albums with over the years and um he's he's been in um afghanistan and pakistan um, he had a music school there, and, and he's been trying to get his girls out of Af- Afghanistan that were his students there. That he's in Pakistan. He wasn't around to do the video for uh, Army of Me. But anyway, I found these music files, and, and they were so good. I go, you know what? I've got to finish these things. You know, i got to honor Pat. And they're too good. So I, I finished them with other musicians, and um, so there's three th- songs on the record that uh, have those guys on it. Yeah, and it sounds great. I mean, I was going back and forth, kind of listening to the Bjork version. Which don't tell Bjork. Oh, you did. Okay. Don't don't tell Bjork. I like this version, but but it, I'm just saying it just has more. Yeah, of a, okay. it, you it's know, a little more guitars. Yeah, it's just more yeah. of a. To me, it was like a grunge meets Led Zeppelin or something. I mean, it just had that yeah, little sound. You know what? Yeah, the drum beat is a Zeppelin thing, and what we did was like a. Uh, uh, we used a thing called Ebo, which is it makes a guitar note sustain. I, uh, cool. Robert Fripp from King Crimson was the first person I'm aware of using that kind of tech textural sound on the record. Um, and that kind of creates the bed underneath it. And then there's keyboards underneath it right. uh, that were added sound effects. And I, um, there's a singer, uh, her name's Whitney Ty that's on it that I discovered um, via doing my, my event uh, at the whiskey uh, called ultimate jam night. And, uh, I contacted her. I said, hey, I've got this this track, this Bjork song. I think your voice is perfect for it. Well, our working relationship was so great that we ended up collaborating on a song, which is on the album, and she also sings on another song. So she's on three uh, three songs singing. Wow. I mean, she's the, one of the – there's only two female vocalists, but she's the main one. Yeah. Uh, Whitney Ty is her name, by the way. She sounds great. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's got a great really voice. Yeah. Awesome talent. Awesome talent. Great, great songwriter on her own, too. Yeah, she really her voice fits that song. I mean, it just it, it oh, really yeah. goes good with it. Makes it you know. Well, I'm, I'm glad right. you like that one. Uh, yeah, I have you know everything. The one of the things about this record is that I wasn't intending on making an album. It was just the time was there because of the p- pandemic. Right. And started composing again. I was like the main writer with House of Lords and and I, I cure three quite right out of my road every song with the band and. Um, so I got back into composing again, just writing songs that I would want to hear, you know, music stylistically that I'd be into. So 
the album itself is very eclectic. It's diverse. It covers a lot of territory from funk to prog to jazz fusion. Um, uh, Sarah McLaughlin type um, approach on a song, Zeppelin. Uh, I even have a Celtic piece on there, which is the second cover. There's only two covers on the album uh, of a song that I've loved ever since I was a kid uh, called Darkness, Darkness by came out in 1969 yeah. by the Youngbloods. Right. I think Robert Plant covered it too at one point, but I wanted to do a full on Celtic cinematic uh, production on it. And um, it, in singer on it's David Victor, who sang with Boston for a while. It, it came out great. Yeah. I, the sounds on there. It's so, so great. Do you, you know, how do you go about when you're you know listening to it? Do you kind of say, I want to add this. I want to add that. Do you have a, do you visualize well, all that stuff? Yeah, I do. Actually with that particular piece, I wanted fiddle. I have an acoustic band um, in Los Angeles called Acoustic Saints that I've had for a decade now. And we have a, an amazing guitar player who also shreds on uh, the fiddle. We do Devil Goes, Goes Down to Georgia, you know. And oh, yeah. He kills that and, and cool. Orange Block Special. Um, and and he does Celtic stuff, too. So I got I got, I got got that, and I wanted uh, an instrument called Bach Rain, which is a percussion, um, Celtic percussion instrument. And that's going on in the background. I had a percussionist do that. Um, so the, the, the approach is totally try to be authentic, but it still rocks. It kicks in and the back yeah. half of it kicks in. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, uh, I always liked that sound. I like Celtic sound. And I guess cause my, yeah. my ancestors were like, you know, from there, but I, I, it's just, I think it's within me somehow, but it always just kind of gives me chills when you hear sounds like that. It's just really cool stuff. Yeah, I've always been into it. I saw um, an artist by the name of Lorena McKinnett, um, who's from Canada, who combines uh, Moroccan and Celtic together, and it's just phenomenal, and it's a sound that I've always really liked. And again, I didn't know I'd be making an album, and I didn't have an agenda, so I just did music that I liked, you know? And, and uh, I, I had five songs finished, and I, I did the video for Army of Me, and then I took that to some labels, and... Uh, Brian Pereira, who I've known for a couple of decades now, um, actually since the 90s, uh, really liked it and and wanted to sign it. So I'm on Cleopatra. So it's kind of like a family thing. I've worked with him before on other albums um, as a as a uh, musician, you know, hired musician or a graphic designer. So um, it's nice to be working with him in this capacity again. Well, it's got to be fun, though, for you. I know you play with Quiet Riot for a lot of years, but you know, and you have a certain style that you play, but this kind of gave you opportunity to play different styles. Is it fun just to approach a song in a different way and go, it, yeah. Yeah, great. Now, a lot of people don't know about, you know, as far as my catalog of, I have like over 100 albums out, but. That's crazy. <laughs> really into, I'm really into all kinds of music if it's done right. I mean, I was in a, a flamenco group for two years. I, I co-produced two reggae records. I've done an ambient trance record. Um, I've worked with even a rap artist with uh, Cypress Hill Sendog. Wow. I did a him. So, but on this album, yeah, I, I, I did do some musical experimentation. There's a couple songs that actually have three basses on it. Um, and I would use fretless bass. Um, you know, when you hear a song, you're going from uh, the chorus to another verse, and there's usually a guitar passage. Right. Take, I use fretless bass for those passages. Um, and so it's being in my record, it's kind of my voice. Um, and then I'll have uh, an underlying lower bass playing and then a chordal bass playing. So there's a couple things like that where there's multiple. I think there's three songs where there's multiple basses on it, on the album. 
Awesome. Uh, well, when you're writing songs, how did what's your writing process as far as lyrically, and, and how did well, that come to you? I sit down with, I play guitar, um, kinda. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm all the, I'm doing the acoustic guitar work on the record for the most part. Um, yeah. On the opening track, I did get uh, one of my favorite flamenco guitar players, Ben Woods, uh, to reinforce what I was doing, which which really moved it nicely. Um, uh, so. I basically will sit down and just start playing or sometimes it'll be a bass riff and I'll build from there. Um, there's a song on there that started with me doing a chordal type passage thing. And then I built it from there and then I play guitar over it. And then, um, then I asked a, a guitar player friend of mine uh, named Toshi Nagi on this particular song. who's in the Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, he's been on the Jimmy Kimmel uh, band for, for years since he started that show. And he's a very versatile, amazing musician. And I just said, hey, check this out. I'd really like to have some, like, Jeff Beck meets Ellen Holdsworth guitar styling on it. And he goes, cool. And he sent me something that was beautiful. And so he kind of co-wrote it with me. Wow. Um, but so it, I think all the songs kind of developed in their own way. Um, the very An interesting story is the way the first song happened. I was sitting, thinking about what was going on in the world with the pandemic and looking at all the city, empty streets and it was an apocalyptic kind of feel. Yeah. And I wrote this instrumental piece and I did my own video myself um, and edited together uh, footage, you know, drone footage of empty, you know, places that are always packed with people, but just empty, you know, like New York city, empty. Right. Um, and, and it really fit the music and uh, a toy Laqueta from Tesla saw it and reached out to me. He goes, man, I love this. I'd love to play drums on it. And I go, I never even thought about that. And I go, yeah, you know what? Okay. So he played to the track and then a guitar player that I love in town who's a jazz fusion guy named Alan Hines um, also added some, something. He liked it and added. So that song developed into a whole new thing. So I re-edited a video with them in it and it started building from there where I'd record something and then I'd go, hey, what do you think? Um, I think a pedal steel would sound great on here. What do you think? And then they would do it. You know, they would add it. Right. So I ended up now having over 40 guest musicians on the record wow so you know fred that's crazy that's great yeah they're, and they're great. the right the right person for the right for the part and they're they all wanted to do it and because they like the music um and, and it's that and that also adds to the variety of the sound of the record too having so many different personalities involved in it yeah, and uh, that you, you get a chance, like I said earlier, playing with all these different people, and I know different guitarists have a certain style, so you get to kind of fit yeah. that mold and go this way with it, and then kind of go this way, and it just sounds cool. Exactly, I love that, and, man. And working with, you know, doing uh, my event, Ultimate Jam, I well over 2,000 musicians have joined in, so I've, I've created a lot of new relationships and friends with, with some great players and um, I, that's another way I was able to reach and, and get certain people involved in this. Because, I, I, you know, I formed relationships with all these people. Right. I'm sure you've got a, you've got a lot of people that you've, you've known over the years. And uh, Oh, yeah, plus yeah. over the years, there's yeah. tons, yeah. And uh, that's so cool. Um, yeah. There's but, um, a singer, I don't know if you know, Jeff Scott Soto. Yes. Yeah, okay, from Sons of Apollo and Journey. And of course. Trans I met him on tour. He was when he was like 20, I think. He was the singer in Ingbe Malmsteen when Malmsteen was opening for Quiet Right in 1987, I think it was. And we've been friends ever since. And and um, I called him up and I said, Hey, I've got this because he. A lot of people don't know he's an amazing R&B singer. 
He's great. And, he's great. Uh, yeah, he's a real. He's so well rounded as a as a vocalist. And I sent him this kind of funkier track, and um, he just nailed it. He's that's where I sent it to him with the vocal parts were, and within a couple hours, it, it sent. He sent it back, and I wouldn't have changed anything. <laughs> well, he's he's uh, talking about journey, which I I do. Uh, I got a YouTube channel about journey, and I talk about journey a lot. But he he did a cover of Steve Perry's song. Um, I think it's called "What Was," and you know Steve Perry's got that R and B sound. Man, he nailed that song. I was yeah. like, man, this I guy. love Steve Perry. You know, I always say, "What do they say?" That's my guilty pleasure. Uh, <laughs> is is Journey? Yeah, I think <laughs> that's, that's everybody's guilty. <laughs> you know, it's I, I just there's so many songs. Even that "Race on Radio" album, like, oh, there's so man. many songs on that album. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan. In fact, I've seen Steve. He's in my neighborhood. Cool. Um, lives right up. The, I used to live up like few blocks from him actually up in the hill there and i moved down uh, below here but um yeah i'd see him at restaurants and and he came out to one of our softball games once and um yeah he's around i just it's i feel you know if you're talking about them i really feel that since he was gone so long that he really had a great opportunity to come back with a masterpiece and it to me the song that he came out with just was not happening like right. you, I would, ex- I guess, because I had such high expectations. Probably, yeah. That's, I think that's I, what it is. I think people expect him to be like he was. I was expecting something really yeah. brilliant, you know, like, and, and it was just kind of average to me, you yeah. know, the performance and the, the song. I think it's basically the song. Yeah. I think, I think because, you know, because he lost his girlfriend, I think he was like in a somber kind of a mood and it was, like, yeah, it kind yeah, of affected no, that, I, right? Happened with him. And sometimes you, you get great music out of that. There's a song um, on my album. I'll see. You, uh, it's called "The Other Side," right. which the chorus is "See You on the Other Side." I heard. I got the phone call that Frankie died in and right. Benelli, and I uh, sat down right there, wrote the whole song in one sitting, and even the chorus melody and lyric. Um, it, it it can affect you that way, where you just it can something great, but sometimes you can be just so so out of it, you can't rekindle that magic that you had, you know. Right. And talking about those days with Quiet Riot, um, you know, backing up some, how did you get started with Quiet Riot? Well, in we're going way back now. Oh, way back. <laughs> uh, around 81 was the era. Um, I had a band called Satter that was a, a kind of a, if you can imagine, Genesis meets Led Zeppelin, oh, yeah. Prog band. Um, and I was the main songwriter in that band. In fact, I think I, at that point I was writing all the music. And we we were the first band um, in rock history to have a, a laser show because we we uh, knew a guy that developed that technology up at Pasadena Tech. So we had the lasers bounce off the mirrors and we had a big screen behind us. And it was a big draw band in town. And my guitar player uh, was working with Kevin Dubrow and his band Dubrow. And then they asked me, to uh to uh come in I, I rudy was playing with him and then rudy joined um joined uh what is it uh oh ozzy he went to ozzy and right. and uh, so i stepped in at first they didn't think that i would be the right guy because i mean coming from a prog background kind of is right. what they assumed but i you know i love bands like almond brothers and humble pie and all that so um so I got the gig and, and we ended up doing demos. I played the clubs. I got the record deal with the band um, with Pasha when he came out to see us. 
and we switched guitar players. I suggested Carlos, so we got uh, Carlos in, uh, the Carlos Cavazzo in the band. Right. And that's kind of how that all came about. And then, as you know, Randy died right. and, that, and that horrible plane crash, and then Rudy came back to the band. Right. And at that point, I mean, that kind of music was not in. I didn't think anything would ever happen with that album. <laughs> <laughs> nah, what, whatever happened to that album? Yeah. yeah, that and so so I just well, I had my own band. It was like it, it kind of just whatever was my feeling about it. But um, yeah, and then it blew up, and I, I'll never forget Kevin calling me up. How does it feel to be on the number one album in the country right now? <laughs> when you know, he couldn't wait to tell me, and I go, "What?" And because he woke me up out of a dead sleep, and I just went, "Are you kidding me?" And then I said. I started thinking to myself, I go, well, it's kind of bittersweet. I mean, I'm on the album, but I'm not out with the band right now, right, you right. know. Yeah. But that changed. We interrupt this interview to let you know I appreciate you listening. This is Gary here. Thanks so much. Thanks for the ones who's supported me in the past. If you'd like to support this episode, this podcast, you can click on the support button and give any amount that you like. I appreciate it so much. That'd be helping me bring more cool interviews in the near future, just like this one. And also check out my YouTube channel, Real Music with Gary Stuckey, and subscribe today. And now back to the second half of this interview. So, you know, you you were back and forth, I think, with the band over the. Uh, over the years i know you were in other bands and um, oh yeah five times in and out i think is the the amount <laughs> 26 <laughs> years with quiet riot off and on yeah well so uh so what did you do you're talking about your uh when you left uh you know quiet Riot the first time so what happened right after that give us a little summary of what oh life i was um like. actually right after that when rudy came back i had a band called exposure with uh my late friend pat torpy from mr big and um, and uh, Gene Black, who played with uh, with Joe Cocker, and my good friend, who was like my brother, a uh, guy by the name of John Prudell, who went on to uh, co-produce Ozzy and and a bunch of and Motley Crue right. and some other bands. Now he passed away um, years ago, right for his forty fifth birthday. But um, I did that, and then I joined Jafria, which they they asked me to come in and redo the bass parts on the album. And then they asked me to join the uh, the band, and then we had a hit single, and we went out and toured, sold out arenas with Deep Purple, and they got back together with the Perfect Strangers tour, right. and then we jumped on to Foreigner, who had the number one song with I Want to Know What Love Is. So my first touring experience, I got spoiled, it started with sold out arenas. Right. That, that's, <laughs> that's pretty good, man. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. I'll never, I'll never forget the first night. We were in Odessa, Texas, and... And it's a, a festival seating, so everybody's standing, you know, and on the floor, and the lights go out. When I heard that crowd, it just freaked me right out. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I can't believe it. Uh, yeah, it, it's like the sound. Every it's the sound that every guy wants to hear. Sure, it's, you know. Sure. Um, yeah, that, that's a great. That's a great band. Um, I, I, I've been going through your, you know, catalog. I've been listening to some of your older stuff, you know, with different bands, and uh, yeah, the, I think that that band should have been a lot bigger. I think than uh than they were yeah um i think the mistake there's mistakes made part of it was the mca greg uh jafria pissed off the uh the president of the company so that kind of hurt us a lot uh there were some other things that went on with that and 
and also the way the band they wouldn't let you know, Craig Goldie. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He he went on to play with Dio, but we both oh, yeah. left. We both quit the band because uh, uh, Greg Jaffe and David Isley would not let anybody else write songs. Oh, so so I said, forget this. I'm yeah. not just going to side guy, you know. So and then at that time, Kevin contacted me and said Rudy was leaving again, and asked me if I wanted to join the band and write all the songs for the new album with them. And I of course said, you perfect timing. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know? I'll say it was. Well, it, yeah, that worked it, out. That, that was the three albums. That's got to be though, because you know, and going back to your different, you know, playing with different genres of music and stuff like that, I mean, and writing, you've got this. Your mind is probably everywhere going. I want to do this, and you got this creative ability, and you're thinking, I want to do this, 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 and this. And then when they put you in a box and say you can't write, yeah, that had to be like, I can't. Yeah, I could understand yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, a lot. Yeah. Plus, that's that's in those days, it was a big. It, it still kind of can be if you get a movie or something, but it was a, it was also a revenue stream. Yeah. You know, you're, you know, so I'm just going to count on us playing live and maybe making some, you know, anyway. So that was, that was a no brainer for both of us. That's why we both just left, you know, well, at you, that point. you, uh, you were in another band called house of Lords, which I, I love that band. That was another cool band that should have been really big, but I'm well, yeah. Know. And here's where the coins flipped. Um, great. Jafria when the band Jafria called me up and he said, Hey, listen, I have, I have uh, an opportunity here with Gene Simmons from kiss. He's got a custom label now with RCA. And, and uh, if I put the right band together, he'll sign it. And I said, well, that's great, but am I going to get to write this time? <laughs> and he goes, Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody's going to write together. I could have just be me. And I go, okay. So I happened to have been working with um, a band called eyes that had a singer named James Christian and I brought him into it and we auditioned a bunch of drummers and it came down between uh, Matt Sorum, who's a good friend of mine who went up, you know, played with the yeah, Alt um, and Guns N' Roses. Anyway, it was down between him and Ken Mary. And I, I, you know, and I've told Ken this, so it's no biggie. I, I voted for Matt and Ken, Ken got in cause he, you know, I was outvoted, but, um, oh. and, Ken and I are super close friends and we've done a ton of records together and he's on my album uh now and he mixed one of the songs he's an award-winning producer and has a, a beautiful studio in in uh phoenix cool we're still close friends but um that's that's how house of lords came about and lanny cordola uh who obviously he's a big part of my life still um was in that band so i've maintained relationships with some of those guys since then since 87 88 something like that that's great yeah you're talking about the you know yeah, it's, it was a great band. That that's even a better example of a band that should have been huge. Yes, that that wasn't, and that comes down to the fact that Gene made the deal with RCA, and RCA was a country label. Yeah, and really didn't know what to do with rock. I mean, we had the number one most requested song on rock radio with with our version of "Can't Find My Way Home," which was the traffic song that we redid. Right, it was the most requested song, and they couldn't cross it over. They couldn't do anything with it. It's like I was just mortified, and, and and I mean there were a few good people on the label that really, but overall they just didn't have the machinery in the rock market to really break the band the way it should have been. If we would have been on Geffen, like White Snake yeah. was on, or, or or Sony or something else, I think the band would have been way bigger. Well, I remember the uh, ads like in the rock magazines back in the day that had house of lords you know look really cool right. i was like, i gotta check this bound and I, I was impressed but like you said it's like it didn't really catch on i'm like i hate that because it's like this is good music man yeah it was it's 
and a very good band live too. Um, our last tour, Doug Aldridge came out with us and played, and, and everybody knows him from yeah. White Snake and Dio and all these other bands. But um, he he's just fantastic. That band live was just insanely good. Yeah, uh, it's it's you know it's just the luck of the draw sometimes how things fall out. You know. Well, uh, speaking of which, you know, I know you, you're talking about uh, Quiet Riot and being back, you know, in the band, and you were you were with them up until recently and i know rudy sarzo came back and they replaced you with him so how did that affect you and what was your reaction to that well you know the timing was was fine because my focus has totally been is on my soul uh, you know record and, and all of that i was a little bit surprised but but um you know things changed it's it's happened before i think this like i said five times so it was a surprise and not a surprise. He decided he wanted to come back to the band. So, you know, that's what happened. Right. And, uh, well, that, like you said, I mean, I guess that was like a, that's a part of your history and you always have that, I guess, you know, but you're not, are you closing any doors to that? Would you ever go back and play with them? Um, it's, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it depends on, you know what? It totally depends on what the situation is at the time, if they were to approach me. And, and this has, less to do with the band than, than uh, other factors with the band. Because okay. me leaving had nothing to do with those guys. Yeah. It's all about the management. Right. I understand that. Um, now, what about with, with your new album coming out? Wh what are you going to do as far as playing live? Well, you know what? That question has been asked, and I, I wrestle with it because to really pull off the album, the music on the album – I would need Roger Waters' budget, you know, between how diverse the record is, the amount of musicians, and the kind of production I would envision for it. Right. One thought is to take a few of the songs that I think I could pull off with a smaller uh, amount of musicians and do songs from my past, maybe, that would work still right. um, from different bands or whatever. But I, right now, I, I haven't been really thinking about that. I've been thinking about my next video and um, promoting the album and and just hoping that people will give it a chance and and give it a listen it's it's uh one of the things i can say about it compared to a lot of my peers that are releasing albums is that it's not and i hate to use this term but it's not a cookie cutter type of record which i'm disappointed in that um a lot of a lot of people are kind of they they feel like they have to make a certain kind of thing yeah and don't really stretch and reach out to their full abilities to really be creative and come up with something fresh. Um, and I, that's something that just kind of happened organically with this record because I didn't have an agenda. I just wanted to make music that I like. Right. 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 And so, as oh, well, let's put this guy together with this guy and this guy, and then do this kind of music, you know, it's, that's not what this is. Right. And, you know, back in the day, your success depended on if the album was number one, or if they were playing it on the radio, that don't happen much these days. So what, what do you think success is for you? Well, it's, it's exactly, it's a totally different business model. Um, if it was the eighties, I could tell you exactly what you needed to do to be, to at least get a shot. Right now there's 30,000 songs released a day, you know, and, right. and how do you rise above all of that? How do you get the attention and you got to play the social media game um, as much as you can. I mean, 
that's what I'm finding out what you have to do, do doing it yourself. Yeah. You know, basically I do have uh, Cleopatra's behind me and, and uh, for instance, they set this interview up with you, sure. but there's a lot of things that I'm having to do, you know, to help it along myself, um, like putting videos together and, and on social media, you kind of have to like invest in, in promotion ads and right. different things to at least get it in front of people. So all I want is for people to get a chance to, to just listen to it and check it out. You know, I, I really, for me personally, would like this album to be my legacy rather than something I did, which was my first album. You know what I mean? Right. The first thing I did, which was Bang Your Head. Um, I, I'd rather this be, my, <laughs> my, you know, I'm known for, wow, you should have heard this this record you did, it's made, whatever. Right. So that's, that, that's something I've really wanted to happen and, and I'm really thankful and blessed that all of these different musicians came on board to help me live the dream, you know? Well, yeah. That, I mean, I know that's, that's exciting for you. It's exciting for them or they wouldn't have done it. Right. They, they look forward to doing stuff like that. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it basically was like, Hey, if you dig this, you want to do it, you know, kind of thing. And they dug it enough to, to jump on board. Well, you know, the reason why I do these podcasts and stuff like that, cause I listen to music and I, that's why I call it real music. I'm thinking, when I listen to stuff, it might not be the most popular thing around, but if it's real, it sounds good. I mean, I want to tell everybody, hey, you need to check this out. So how can they check out your all your information? Where can they go? Well, fuckright.com um, is my, my website, and that will have <clears throat> links to videos and how to get the record, or you can go to Cleopatra Records.com um, and... and uh, it'll be there under their new releases. You can find it there and it'll also be on all those streaming platforms. Um, you can get it on, on uh, Spotify and uh, Apple and all the different, you know, Amazon, all the different places that you, it, I actually saw it up on Barnes and Noble, which surprised me. <laughs> oh, cool. That's it. Yeah. Somebody sent me a link. They go, did you know you're on Barnes and Noble? <laughs> hey, it, it's cool. I, um, I've, I've recorded something you know, a while back and it was, they were playing it like in China and Japan and different. I'm like, wow, I'm they're playing my music all over the world, but yeah, it, it's know, crazy. That's one of the great things about we do. I can say about the social media, I mean, having social media platforms and being able to have a world reach. I mean, I, I, my press release was out in Korea and Japan and in Russia and all these different countries, you right, know, it, right which would be a lot tougher back in the eighties, you know, to get things that far reaching. Right. And you know, a lot of the bands though, to make money, they're, they're going on tour, you know? And so I know if you're not playing anywhere, that kind of affects your ability to make some money. Right. But if people's not, well, that's right. the thing. Yeah. That the revenue stream isn't music as far as records is more of a promotional item than anything nowadays. Right compared to what it used to be. And I, I realized playing live is part of it. And like I said, I don't know if I'll be able to do this thing that I do. Um, I play with, um, I start immediately started working with um, the drummer from uh, the original founding member of White Lion and, and the singer from Great White Terry Loose and the drummer Greg D'Angelo. They have a thing called the Legends of Classic Rock and I just was out with them for five weeks. And it was like, such a great gig because it was on the largest cruise ship in the world yeah. and and you know i do the show we we play songs from from the guys in the band 
and then I'd go to my my uh, cabin and then take a shower and go to the pub. <laughs> you know, <laughs> very very relaxing way to. T- it's a different way of touring, but you, th- those fans are great. They're all you know they're demographically the right people that yeah. to play classic rock for, and um, so that's a new experience for me. That I I just I mean I've been on I've done the Monsters of Rock and those were just multiple bands, but we're the only band. Right, it's kind of cool and nice beautiful venues too. Yeah, but that's sure. something I'm doing live as far as playing out live, and I have my own band here called Acoustic Saints, and then I, my ears are always open if you know I'm available. You know, right? I'd love to be able to pull off my record live. Are you kidding me? Yeah, of course, you, I mean, <laughs> I just, it's, it's I all just, order, <laughs> I hate that. You know, uh, I hate that they don't have like MTV playing videos like that. You know, speaking of which, Mar- Martha Quinn's birthday is today. Happy birthday, Martha Quinn! But yeah, yeah, that was you know it's, it's interesting how that whole model changed too. Yeah, it, the end stood for music, you know. It just now it, it's not the same anymore. No, and I, you know what? I'm surprised nobody ever really filled that void. Yeah, it's but just, I guess it, it know, needs to be filled. I, I know that. I, I think I think people just use YouTube now. You know, if they want to uh, see something. I mean, I've discovered so many old videos of bands that I never would have saw that live footage if it wasn't for YouTube. Right. It, uh, it sure helps but out. It would be nice if there was a popular cable show that was based around new music, new, like this new current, not this pop, Yeah, you know, whatever. Contri- I think a lot of the music today is very contrived yes. and it's using producer using computers and then having a singer, singer. It's not really four guys or five guys in a room jamming out of tune anymore, you know? It's like processed cheese, I think is what, yeah. is what it is. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's that's part of the whole process, then the DJs and all that. That's part of why I started Ultimate Jam Night in 2015 is because L.A. was being taken over by DJs. And, yeah. and there's like all these musicians going, where do we go to hang? Where do we do the social thing? And, it, and that's why it blew up and became a big thing. Because now we had a, there was a place where they could, uh, they could all go and, you know, I could put different mixes of people together that have never played together or wanted to play together. That's really cool. That that needs yeah. to be everywhere, like, like in every state, you know, places like yeah, that, right? It, it, it takes a lot to organize it though, because it's like herding cats. Right. You know, right. Getting music all not an easy job. I understand. But the outcome is great. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it makes a lot of people happy. The ones playing and the ones listening. Yeah, it is great. We actually, um, and it's a good platform too for helping. We just did, um, not the show last night, but two weeks ago, we did a a Ukraine benefit show. And um, a lot of great bands came out and played uh, Steelheart and Bullet Boys. And, um, you know, we had a lot of great guests come out in support of that and raise, raise money for the World Central Kitchen uh for ukraine so it also is a platform for helping too you know we've done a homeless thing and different things that come up we'll we'll throw in our hat to try to help and all the musicians band together to help yeah that's that would be that's cool that's really cool um well uh i appreciate you talking to me today and uh i've had a great time and i'm gonna go crank up your your, uh, album some more and let people yeah turn it up (laughs) turn it up uh, yeah. Oh yeah. And you saw the Stones video, right? Yeah, yeah. I was watching it earlier. It's it. That's a funky song. I like I like how that song uh, 
the groove yeah. to that song. I mean, it's it's different than you know what maybe somebody would expect maybe from you, but that but exactly. you're versatile, just, right? So one one guy, one reviewer said he, it reminded him of a cross between Primus and Stevie Wonder. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I like that. It, it it was funky. I mean. What yeah. says funky, you know, Primus and Stephen Wonder, you know, that's funky. Yeah, Living Color, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, but, uh, with a rock yeah, kind of edge to rock it. Rock thing. Well, I'm glad you like it, man. Thanks for the your time, and uh, enjoy talking with you, and uh, keep in touch. Yeah, all right? sure, and I'm going to let everybody know about all this, and uh, I hope the best for you, man. And nice meeting you, man. All right, thank you. Cheers, right, bye-bye. Bye.